Well, it's, it's surely my privilege to introduce Brian Cabral to you. Brian, we got acquainted, Brian got acquainted with Beecher Island, I don't know, probably six or eight years ago, the first time, and he's been here a couple of times, I think, um, and spoke with him a couple of weeks ago when he had an opening today to come fill a spot that that needed filled this morning and, and uh, Bill or Brian is Bill. <laughs> Brian is a uh, well Brian's a former football player but more than that Brian loves Jesus and Jesus exudes from him and uh, I know he's got some material this morning that's on his heart that he wants to share with you. He's got a lot of things going on in his life. He loves to minister to uh, college students, he does that, college football players at, at uh, CU, and he's also got another ministry going on in his life that I think he's going to tell us a little bit about this morning, but Brian, we're so glad to have you here, and, and, and I love you, man. Thanks Thank for you. being here. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. Get your microphone on. Yeah. All right. Am I, am I on? Yep. Pray with me, please. So, Jesus, we do. <laughs> We invite you, we welcome you here, now. And so, Father, I pray that you would indeed uh, open the eyes and the ears of our hearts and minds to you uh, in this short period of time together, in Jesus' name, amen. So, yes, I'm a football, I was a football player. I feel, I, I feel it more than ever before. Um, but I did coach for 20, actually 30 years of coaching in college, 24 of them at the University of Colorado. Um, I got started with Bill McCartney's last six years um, of his career uh, and a national championship. So uh, I've been blessed. Uh, I've been blessed uh, in my playing. I've been blessed in my coaching. Um, and there's, it's evidently that, that God's got so much more for me. And so um, about three or four years ago, I, I was introduced to a, a, a military veterans organization called Operation Restored Warrior. And uh, my heart was um, uh, veterans. And my dad was a veteran. My dad was career army. Um, and so I had a, I had a, a great awareness of of, of that commitment of what that meant and the toll that it took on families. Um, and so I got involved with them and um, their, their, their program, it's called a drop zone. And it's a five day intensive. And what they deal with, Operation Restored Warriors deals with is uh, the suicide rate um, of of, of military veterans. And so 20 plus men a day are taken by suicide. And so I, I thought that this, this is an organization that I, that I want to I get involved with. And, and I did. And so I had to go through their program. And I thought I was going to go and just watch and observe. And 
I found out that I was in the program and that I got my world rocked by Jesus because I had no idea. I had no idea what was going on. And so uh, what, I, what I'm, what I'm, what I'm going to introduce to you today is what I've learned through my military veterans organization. And um, what I do know is military veterans, uh, first responders, the competitive athlete, maybe not necessarily a professional athlete, but if you played in college or in any sport competitively, they're the same people. And we're all driven by the same reasons. And so one of the things that, that after 60 years, I, had, I realized that for them um, to help me understand what's really going on, because I had no idea. And so uh, what I want to talk to you about today is the spiritual battle that you're in. It's going on. It's real. It's a reality. 60 years of my life, I just thought, oh, that's just Bible stuff, right? You know, once upon a time. Um, and so uh, one of the, what I, what I want to do is, is help you understand the intensity of the spiritual battle uh, that we're in. And I'm going to give you a, a short video clip. Uh, it's on Pearl Harbor. How, and, and, and listen to what the president says. How long are we going to pretend that we are not at war? And is victory possible without facing danger and without suffering? How long is America going to pretend the world is not at war? From Berlin, Rome, and Tokyo, we have been described as a nation of weaklings and playboys who hire British or Russian or Chinese soldiers to do our fighting for us. I'm going to the war. You just make sure and come back for the both of us, all right? We've been trained to think that we're invincible. But our people think Hitler and his Nazi thugs are Europe's problem. Does anyone think that victory is possible without facing danger? Warning of Japanese aggressive movement. December 7th. 1941, a date which will live in infamy.
So there's a spiritual battle going on. We are at war. We have an enemy. I'm not talking about just a physical war, but I'm talking about a, a cosmic battle going on in the unseen realm. And it's fighting for the minds and the hearts of humanity. In these days, the intensity of the battle is increasing. Here's what Ephesians says about this. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Why? Why, are we, why, does, he, why does he prepare us for war? For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Who's fighting against us? Where does our strength come from? Revelations 12, uh, 7 and 9. Where did the battle begin? And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought but did not prevail. So the great dragon was cast out. That serpent of old called the devil, Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Sounds like a fairy tale. It sounds like something that is not real. It is real. This battle began in heaven, and it now rages on earth. Why? Because the devil was cast to the earth. And I woke up this morning, sitting on the back, the back porch, blue skies, beautiful, bright sun, and a light breeze just coming at my face. This is God's country? Yeah, it's God's country. But it's also the realm of our enemy. And so the, um, uh, Genesis 3, 4, and 5 says, The serpent said to the woman, you will not die. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Was this true? No. He just ushered in the deception of the earth. What did God really say? Genesis 2, 16 and 7. Uh, what did God really say? And the Lord God commanded the man, Adam, saying, You shall surely eat of every tree of the garden. Have at it. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. 
And so um, the fall of humanity came through Adam and Eve's sin and rebellion against God. Eve may have, <laughs> may have eaten it first, but who did, who did God command? Adam. Adam was responsible. And ever since the fall, in all reality, we've been seeking validation from a woman, men, rather than from God. Rather than getting our validation from God. But look what, look what their sin and, and their rebellion brought into rot. Galatians 1, 3, and 4. Grace to you and peace from, our, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins so that he might rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of God and Father. So we live in a present evil age. In the, back, in the backdrop, it's a cosmic spiritual war. And for 60 years of my life, I had no idea what was kicking my ass until I realized that I had an enemy, until I realized that there was a fight that was going on and I was clueless. The prince of this world is Satan. He has a domain. It is his area of activity and influence. His domain is earth. This is where he operates. This is where he attacks God's creation. So we have an enemy. And it's very real. And in these days, he and his demonic beings are deceiving and taking out as many people as they can. Suicides in every, in every state are on the rise. 20 plus more veterans committing suicide a day. Number of overdoses in our country. A thousand people overdose every day from opioids and other drugs. And 275 of them die. And those are National Center uh, Disease Control stats. The enemy comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He's taken out as many as he can. However, here's the good news, right? Jesus is more powerful than Satan. And he's transferring people out of the domain of darkness into the kingdom of light. What's the enemy's target? Your spiritual heart. Say what? What that is, right? Your spiritual heart. So here's the here here's what I've learned from the military organization about um, our enemy. What we know about our enemy, his strategy is to inflict a traumatic emotional wound that results in an injury to your soul. The wound comes from a lie. That affects our relationship with God. It affects our relationship with others and ourselves. Some of the lies um, might be, you're a failure. 
You're stupid. You'll never get it right. And for me, the lie that I believed through, through my wounds was, you're not good enough. You're never going to be good enough. And so what the enemy does is, is he offers drugs, alcohol, sex, achievement, praise, whatever to medicate the emotional pain. And I, and I believe that one of the greatest assaults that Satan has launched on humanity is to hide the wounds of our hearts over time so that we cannot experience true, fee, true freedom. How does he hide them? He buries them over the years so that they no longer can identify the wound that he's manipulating in our lives. And so what do we do? We medicate. We hide. We overcompensate. We go to boredom, resignation, and isolation. We are not living the abundant life in Jesus that he intended us to live. My story, my father was a big man. My father was the first Hawaiian to play football at Notre Dame. And my only childhood dream was to play at Notre Dame. But my father was, angry, was an angry man. And it did not take much to ignite him into rage. And so for most of my growing up, he took his rage out on me physically. As a little boy growing up and even as a teenager. And I thought that was normal. I thought that's just life. And then the, the hardest part of that wound growing up was when my father drank and my mother drank. And, evident, and, and, and eventually... Uh, my father would start beating up my, my, my uh, mom. And as a little boy, laying asleep in the top bunk of my bed, or pretending to be asleep, I had to hear how my dad literally beat the crap out of my mom. And I was so scared, and I couldn't do anything about it. I was scared. But I heard it all. All the years 
of him taking out his anger, taking out his whatever on my mom and on me. Now, I'm the oldest of six. I have no idea whether what happened to my, my, my brothers and sisters. All I know is I've got, I got the worst of it. And I thought that that was... So nothing that, nothing that I did was good enough for my dad. And when I, when, <laughs> when I got rejected by Notre Dame, I definitely knew I wasn't good enough. And so um, those are my heart wounds. And those were what was revealed to me in my, my drop zone with the military. We all have our own story. We all have our own wounds. And losing a loved one is a wound. A betrayal, a trust in a relationship is a wound. There's so many wounds. And ironically, um, most of our wounds happen by the age of seven. And so we grow up um, normal. That's life. That's just the way my dad is. I got carried away. Um, so I want to I close this time just in a prayer, and then I'm going to continue on um, in, the next, in, the next, in our next time together uh, with this. So um, now please pray with me. So Jesus, again, I pray that you indeed would open our eyes and our ears of our hearts and our minds to you and to the reality of the unseen spiritual realm. Help us to understand that we have an enemy that is real and that he only comes to steal. He only comes to kill and he only comes to destroy God's creation, including us. Help us to understand that Jesus has all power in heaven and on earth, and that he gives us his power in the name and in the authority of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Uh, many of you were here in Sunday school, so you, you don't need an introduction to Brian, but if, if you weren't here uh, during that time, I'll just reintroduce. Uh, Brian Cabral is with us today as, as uh, a guest to fill the pulpit today while uh, Corey and his family are gone rodeoing. Uh, Brian is a former football player, former coach, uh, former Super Bowl champion, but uh, he is a current Jesus lover. And uh, so he's going to come and come and talk to us this morning. Uh, Brian, come on up, friend. Well, most of my life has been involved with football. And um, by the grace of God, that God had blessed me in my football. 
Uh, actually, I grew up in Hawaii, and um, I came to Colorado uh, to play football here at CU and fell in love with Colorado and just happened to fall in love with my wife, who's from Boulder, uh, as well. And so by the grace of God, I played uh, nine years in the NFL, and uh, that's a whole nother story, um, but I did get to, to play on the 1985 Chicago Bears uh, Super Bowl championship. And then when I got into coaching, I got to coach with Bill, coach with Bill McCartney his last six years uh, and a national championship season. So uh, I am blessed and um, blessed to be here. So uh, what I talked about earlier was, was the, the spiritual battle. And what I want to talk about right now is, is, is the spiritual heart. Your spiritual heart is a target for both Jesus and the enemy. Your spiritual heart is at the center of your soul, just like the, your, your, your heart that's pumping is at the center of your, of your body. And in the last session, uh, we tried to understand the intensity of the spiritual battle that we are in and that we do have an enemy called Satan uh, and, and the devil. And he only comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But that Jesus comes that we might have life and have life abundantly. The good news is that Jesus is more powerful than Satan, and he is transferring out of the domain of darkness into the kingdom of his light. We learned that our spiritual heart was the target of the enemy. And I want to repeat this, because his strategy is to inflict a traumatic emotional wound that results in an injury to your spiritual heart in the center of your soul. The wound comes with a lie that affects our relationship with God. It affects our relationship with others and ourselves. And so some of, the, some, of the, some of the lies is you're a failure, you're stupid, you'll never get it right. For me, I could never be good enough for anyone or good enough for my dad. And so what, what the enemy does is he offers drugs, alcohol, sex, um, achievement and praise, whatever to me medicate the emotional pain. Where does fear and anxiety, where does that come from? Where does shame and guilt, where does that come from? Where does anger and rage come from? Where does doubt and unbelief come from? Where does unforgiveness and pride come from? I've had to learn the difference. If it's not love, if it's not joy, if it's not patience, kindness, goodness, if it's not gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, it comes from the enemy. And your enemy is the accuser. He reminds us day and night of our fear, of our anxieties, of our shame and our guilt, of our diminishment 
They come from the enemy. And so what do we do? We medicate. We hide and we compensate. Medicate a million of different ways, drugs, alcohol, sex, achievement, praise. How do we hide? Behind our pose? Behind what we want people to see? And we hide what we don't want people to see? We overcompensate. Here's how I overcompensated. I'm a people pleaser. I needed people's approval. I needed people's affirmation because I never got it. And so my overcompensation was a people pleaser. So we're not living the abundant life in Jesus that he intended us to live. We don't realize the spiritual battle that we're in. And along life's journey, we lose our way, we lose heart, we lose uh, our intention for what God called us to be and what God called us to do. Oh, I'm sorry. I got to introduce this. I want to show you a a, a clip from uh, The Legend of Bagger Vance. Uh, It's a movie clip uh, about The Legend of Bagger Vance. Will Smith, Matt Damon, uh, and Matt takes a hit to his spiritual heart and loses his way in life. He's medicating himself. Will Smith comes after him and helps him get his heart restored. Matt plays the man who's lost his swing in life. He says, I can't do this. Bagger Bagger says, yes, you can. Busy. Busy. Well, I thought you were going to say drunk. The fact is, there's enough whiskey in the state of Georgia to get me drunk enough. (laughs) Well, how drunk is drunk enough? It's all a matter of brain cells. You see, every drink of liquor you take kills a thousand brain cells. And first the sadness cells die, so you smile real big. And then the quiet cells go, so you just say everything real loud for no reason at all. <laughs> and finally, come the memory cells. These are tough to kill. We need someone from Savannah in the match. Who's that? I could have killed you out there. Oh, no, sir. See, I set myself directly in front of you. But judging by how you was hitting them balls, I figured that's where I'd be out of harm's way. Advanced to me. Lost your sway. You got to go find it. I heard my dad tell how you won every tournament there ever was. The journey you was, you ain't never gonna be again. Ever. You don't know a damn thing about me. Ten years and that one single solitary role for me? You don't do that to someone you love. It was too long ago. No, it wasn't. This is becoming embarrassing. Oh, no, sir. It's been embarrassing for quite some time now. I can't do this. Yes, you can. This isn't your shot bag, no. It's yours. There's some storm we're doing. What was it, Adele? What did you like about us? I like the way we dance. Inside each and every one of us is something. It's ours and ours alone. Was there something you wish to discuss? Because this may not be the right time to. 
man's grip on his club, just like a man's grip on his world. So what if, what if that was you? What if you mattered so much to someone that they came after you in the thick of the battle to rescue the most precious thing that you have, your heart, your spiritual heart? Well, Jesus did. He left the 99 for the one. And we are the one. He has come to set us free. Freedom is essential. Freedom is needed and necessary to live, to really live the abundant life. The Apostle Paul talked about our need for freedom in 2 Corinthians 3.17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Freedom. So, why do most people not experience freedom to the fullest? Most of us don't experience freedom to the fullest because we don't realize that there's a spiritual battle and that we've been wounded in it. We don't realize the intensity of the spiritual battle that we're in. We don't realize that God has set within us a warrior's heart to fight life's battle and to fight for loved ones and friends. We don't realize that Jesus has power. His power is available to us in the midst of the battle, in the midst of our weakness. In his name, in his authority of Jesus, we have all power given to us. We're too caught up focusing on ourselves instead of him. Both Satan and Jesus believe in you with very different objectives. Satan spiritually blinds hearts and minds. Jesus opens the blinded hearts and minds. Jesus brings truth. Satan brings lies. Jesus brings light and Satan brings darkness. Satan is the counterfeit. Jesus made a profound statement when he became a man and came to earth and shed his blood for us to save us and redeem us as his own. Luke 4.18. And this is Jesus talking. And Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And that's what we've heard. But here's why else he has come for us. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He sent me to proclaim liberty and freedom to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set 
at liberty to release those who are oppressed and imprisoned. To take the oppression you are living under and replace it with freedom. So, his first mission is to save us. He has a second mission. His second mission is to restore us. To restore our broken hearts. To restore... what holds us captive to recovery of our sight. I'm not blind. What are you blinded to? To set liberty to those oppressed and imprisoned. What oppresses us? What are some of our bondage so he comes to save his first mission is to save us his second mission is to restore us let me tell you about the spiritual heart the spiritual heart we don't hear much about the spiritual heart and yet it is the most important topic in the bible the heart is mentioned 823 times in the Bible. 529 times the Spirit is mentioned, and only 294 times uh, is, is a reference to the Holy Spirit. 192 times is the soul. So the heart, your spiritual heart, Proverbs 4.3, guard your heart. For out of it, it comes the, the, the wellsprings of life. That's how critical our heart is and how guarding our heart is. The heart defined in the New Ungers Bible uh, Dictionary, the heart is the center of bodily life. The heart is the reservoir of the entire life of the whole man. The heart is the center, the rational spiritual nature of man, of thought and conception. The heart knows, the heart understands, the heart reflects. The heart is the center of feelings and affections and the seat of conscience. The heart is the field of the seed of the divine word. The Holy Spirit longs for the word, the breath of God. It is the dwelling place. Our spiritual heart is the dwelling place of Jesus in us. It is, the, it is the Holy Spirit's dwelling place. It is where God's peace reigns. It is receptacle of, of the love of God, and it is the closet of secret, of secret communion with God. It's no surprise that our heart has been the enemy's target. From time to time, um, <laughs> he's been the target since our mother's womb, since we came out of our mother's womb, because it's the very core of who you are, who we are. From the time you were little children, Satan 
has targeted your heart. To injure us with emotional wounds and to get us to believe his lives. So Jesus' second mission, he wants to restore, he wants to renew, he wants to refresh, he wants to relaunch our hearts in our lives. Pray with me. So Jesus, what are our broken hearts that you need to heal? What do you need, what do you need to set us free from? What hold us captive? Release us from all that um, we held, are held in bondage. And then Heavenly Father, here's my heart. I invite you to come and seek and save what was lost, stolen, or given away by me. Jesus, I give you permission to restore my heart. I bring the full work of Jesus over my life. I bring the authority and the rule and the dominion against all fear, accusation, diminishment, and every form of disqualification, confusion, and hopelessness. I give everything over to you, Jesus, totally and completely. And I stand against everything that is false. I welcome your love. Come, fill me with your Holy Spirit and restore anything that has been lost in my heart. In Jesus' name we pray.